You're on the Plants Grow Here podcast. I'm Daniel Fuller. Come along with me as we enter a hidden world of deep horticultural, ecological and landscape gardening knowledge with featured experts, industry professionals and enthusiasts. Forest bathing is the practice of immersing oneself in nature for a significant amount of time which is said to provide a range of health and mental health benefits. It has its roots in Japan, but in this episode, we're lucky enough to have as our guest Philippa Bassett, the PR and Communications Manager at the Forest Bathing Institute in the UK. G'day Philippa, welcome to the show. Hello Daniel, thank you for having me. Very exciting to be talking to you in Australia. Yeah. So can you tell me a little bit about the Forest Bathing Institute and what is forest bathing? Okay, so the Forest Bathing Institute was set up in 2016 and the ethos behind it is about education and information to to the public and also to the health sector, well, all individuals really, to let them know about the health-giving properties of spending time in nature and in particular in forests, woodland, environments, particularly semi-ancient woodland. Not sure how much semi-ancient woodland you have, but basically spending time under the canopy of trees is incredibly beneficial for you. And we can touch on that in a bit. But forest bathing came about initially, it was the catalyst was in 1982 in Japan, when the the government saw that a lot of people were off ill. They lived in huge, densely populated cities, very concrete, etc. And people were off with anxiety, depression, stress. So they conducted some research into what was going on. And because they have a very much a sort of Shinto culture, which is about being connected with nature, they decided to go back to their roots it was actually the Ministry of Agriculture and Fisheries, interestingly enough. And so the, the university's evidence that when people took time out from their office environments or even living, you know, in a high-rise block, to spend some time just walking slowly through some forests or woodland or nature around them and taking time to just observe, listen, sit, just take some time out, cortisol levels dropped stress levels dropped, rumination on problems dropped, they slept better. And so therefore, it was kind of born from that, really. And one of the world leaders is based at the Nippon Medical School, Professor Ching Lee, and he calls it forest medicine. And we've been in liaison with him over the last few years. And in fact, he's our scientific advisor as of this year, which is very exciting news. Mm. So the Forest Bathing Institute's roots actually go right back to the idea's very inception. Yes, yeah, that was the catalyst. And one of our core aims is to replicate the science that's been conducted in Japan for the last 30 years. So we've got quite a lot of catching up to do. But basically, they've been doing ongoing research into all sorts of different physiological and mental health metrics to identify from a scientific basis, what is it about stepping outside your front door, engaging in your garden or your local park, or if you're lucky to have a local woodland or bush you know, around the Melbourne area or wherever people are living, then it's highly beneficial for them on lots of different levels. The difference with the, the forest bathing institutes equivalent to shinrin-yoku, which is the, you know, in Japanese basically means bathing under the canopy of the trees, is the Forest Bathing Institute's practice is underpinned with mindfulness. So when we, we take groups into local forest areas, it, it's um, structured only in the sense that as guides, we are taking people on a forest experience to enjoy and savour the sensory aspect of being in a woodland forestry environment. So by just focusing on one sense, so say it's listening to the tree canopy or listening in the bird song, you are actually enabling your body to switch 
from its sympathetic autonomic nervous system, which is the high level fight and flight cortisol, adrenaline busting nervous system that keeps us alive on occasion. But if we stay in that for too long, then it's incredibly draining on us as as people, individuals. So the goal is during the forest bathing session, just switch people to that more rest and recuperative parasympathetic autonomic nervous system where we've got a higher level of cognitive reasoning, rationale. We can step away. We can reflect. We're calmer as people. Our cognitive brain function, our frontal cortex is engaged. So instead of, you know, reacting to something, you might just let it go and just just let it pass. So that's the ultimate aim of the three hour sessions uh, that we conduct when we're doing forest bathing nature therapy sessions in the beautiful woodlands and ancient woodland that we're very blessed to have, particularly where I live in Surrey in England. Mm. Yeah, you are really blessed to have ancient woodlands because not everybody does have access to that. No, but I mean, you can. I mean, I've just been, before our interview, I've just been for a walk in my local park. I was lucky there wasn't really anybody there, which personally I preferred. But the bird song was amazing. And just listening to the birds, just standing under a tree and just being still was incredibly calming. I watched the birds, you know, hopping around, interacting with each other. I quite like birds, bird watching and stuff. But also there's beautiful blossom at the moment. You know, the blossom on the trees, Mm. the blossom that's coming out in the hedgerow, even looking at a yew hedge, you're just looking at all those green shoots. So again, you can choose to just look at, you know, the leaves on a tree or a plant or a flower and the flower itself and just look at the intricacy and the detail. Again, that's helping your body to just be still and in the moment and just being present and not racing around. And so you can just do it in your local park or if you're lucky and you've got a garden, you can you can take the same practice and apply it to any plants, herbs that you might have in your garden or just sit in the garden and tune into the birdsong or look at the clouds, you know, scudding across the sky, for instance. There's, there's different ways of being able to switch into a more mindfully present state instead of having that like shopping list running through your head or worrying about something that might not happen basically so we're essentially using plants as a meditational device yes and and essentially i mean if i explain with the when you're walking under trees and i know you've got some beautiful woodland areas particularly around victoria because i'll talk about that because i know it (laughs) <laughs> there's some you've got some beautiful beautiful areas so you you can just you know take time out and when you're in that environment you know just breathe slow down the breath focus on the breath because we've got control over our breathing that helps us to just come within really and just be aware of what's going on for us inside us and forest bathing sessions it's not about racing through hiking as fast as you can it's about walking slowly taking time to notice stopping and what you're breathing in with the environment is the fighting sides in the air so 50% of the benefit of forest bathing sessions has been evidenced particularly by professor ching lee as being the benefit in terms of on the body, on the physiological, mental well-being. So these phytoncides are basically the chemicals that are emitted by the trees. So they're good in all weathers, even when it's rained and they release those those aromas from the, the soil. That's still beneficial for you when it's rained. You know, when you go out and it's rained and mm. you've got that lovely smell of the earth. Yeah. You've got those microbiomes that are released from trapped, you know, dried earth, and you can inhale that. And you've got all of the chemicals which have sort of dropped onto the ground and have been, you know, caught there under leaf litter, for instance, or just under the forest floor. So it doesn't really matter what the weather is. In the UK, we have to be a bit careful because yew trees are toxic. So in certain temperatures, plus 30 degrees centigrade, and if it's raining heavily, we have we tend to avoid being around yew trees too much. So you know, you have to be aware of, you know, some of the I suppose some of the environment in which you are spending time really 
because most of it's good for you. Luckily, we don't have the uh, exotic beasties that you have residing where you are. <laughs> so, uh, so at least I'm, I'm a bit more relaxed. <laughs> yeah, that can be a problem here, actually. Yeah, but yeah, exactly. But these, I mean, these phyton sides, they're basically, they're key to protecting the plants from rotting or being eaten by insects and, and animals. And they basically prevent the growth of an attacking organism. Mm. So, so they're antimicrobial antimicrobial and allochemical volatile organic compounds which are derived from the plants. And basically in, in the research being conducted, they can be beneficial to our health because they attack virus virus infected cells, mm. which can in turn boost the immune system and therefore and natural killer cells are activated. I know we we're planning to do this. We're planning to identify which trees give off which particular properties we are looking at that at the moment you know i know in in japan the hanoiki cypress is incredibly beneficial with the phyton sites that are emitted and they've done lots of research even in comparing people sitting in a sterile hotel environment where they've got a diffuser mm. going off they still benefited from sitting there with the hanoiki cypress phyton sites wow. being emitted so, so it's interesting, really, to to see the benefit, you know, of this aromatherapy of chemicals. Really, when they're absorbed, you know, when you inhale them, or you know, they're absorbed by your skin. Because obviously, our skin's our mm. biggest organ. Mm. So, you know, they're very good at boosting our immune system. So, if you want to get your immune system, your natural killer cells topped up, spend, you know, at least two hours under the woodland canopy every two weeks. It's a natural immune boosting activation and also it's really really beautiful fun and lovely environment and it is rejuvenating and it's good to know that there actually are studies being done on the effects of these chemicals can you tell me a little bit more about the poisonous ones from the u what's going on there oh i mean i, I grew up in the country so i've always known that nothing grows under under yew trees hmm. And any cattle, they never put them in a field with yew trees. The seeds are very toxic. I read recently that even if I think you had one seed could kill like hundreds of people or something. You know, don't quote me on that. But mm. I know that it's used in cancer treatment. I can see the word, but I can't remember exactly what it's called. Tamaxi something. But it, it's it's to do with the toxicity of the seeds, and then you have mother trees and, and male trees as well. With you, some trees have male and female. It's very interesting. Mm. That's a whole different subject. Yes. <laughs> I'm not an I'm not an expert in that area. Yeah, we've covered <laughs> some of yeah, that. Yeah, lots. <laughs> yeah, lots of trees are used, as you probably know. I mean, you've got tea tree oil, for instance. Mm. So you've got lots of trees. Where the the aroma, you know, the chemicals are harvested for natural healing properties, you know, plant medicine basically. I mean, it mm. goes back centuries, doesn't it? Yeah. So you know, touching the bark of a yew tree, obviously with the seeds, it's just being aware of these things. I'm not aware. I mean, obviously, mushrooms you have to be incredibly careful of, you know, and fungi and stuff mm -hmm. like that. Yeah. And again, that's a whole expertise in in itself. But from my perspective i think it's mainly the yew tree that i'm aware of that you have to be careful mm. about and that that's something i grew up knowing about mm. and they're giving off those chemicals in the air as well H how did you explain those chemicals sorry the phyto something phytoncides phytoncides yes mm. they're antimicrobial and they also aside from boosting your natural killer immune system and they've got anti-cancer protein cells they also support the nervous and the endocrine system and they have a positive effect on your limbic system um, and that's the part of the brain which helps to control our emotions and our senses especially our sense of smell so when we're doing smell exercises and you're sniffing you know participants might be sniffing the soil or the leaves around them um, it can trigger childhood memories and research has shown that if you haven't spent much time in nature before the age of 11, then it's harder to engage with it. There's, I know there's lots of nature research going on at the moment. I think you form that bond, a stronger bond 
if you've spent time in nature before that age group. Mm. No reason why people can't, of course. Mm. And we can do anything we want at any age, you know. Yeah. But I think this is what the science has evidenced to date, is that strong nature connection. And obviously part of what we're doing, aside from replicating the Japanese research as much as we can, because in the UK we have a different physiological makeup, we've got different biodiversity, we have a different diet to the Japanese. We want to ensure that we've conducted our own scientific research that we can then present to the government and the Department of Health and the NHS, which is part of the, you know, the journey that we're on at the moment, actually. Mm-hmm. We are working with government and in discussion with government to be able to have nature therapy and forest bathing, particularly mm-hmm. across the, the NHS. At the moment, we've got trials running in Surrey, the 200 GPs who are referring patients who might have mental health issues, for instance, or perhaps, um, you know, physiological issues. I know in Japan, they've done lots of trials and stuff on blood pressure, equalization, etc. We haven't done that research yet, but we have done research with Derby University, who are a lead nature university in the UK, which evidences benefits of, you know, spending time basically in the forest in the UK. That was done in 2019. So, yes, so there's many, many, you know, the phyton size, the breathing in, the, you know, the higher oxygen content, being mindful, walking slowly, just being present and just being aware and noticing what's around you. I know feedback I get when I run sessions is that people say, I've never really just stood in the forest and looked around me. It's incredible what's going on. We even mm. saw deer on the that I ran <laughs> last week. It's amazing because they're so shy. Yeah. That is amazing to have never actually have sort of stood in a forest and just looked around because, yeah, like you say, there's always something going on. Maybe it's not deer. Maybe it just is the ants. Even ants are pretty cool if you actually sit down and actually spend the time to actually watch them. Absolutely. Yes, I know. And some of those anthills are huge, aren't they? Yeah. Oh, well, we got termites here too that I live know. in the trees and stuff. <laughs> like, <laughs> like nature's so cool. Yeah, and everything's bigger and more dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> well, the termites are part of the ecosystem here. Like, we don't mind them as long as they're out of the house. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, I agree. Yes, everything, you know, everything works in cohesion together to support We're all supporting each other in some amazingly magical way, aren't we? Absolutely. It seems like we can be getting a lot of these benefits from having a house plant. Well, we can be getting some of these benefits anyway, but then maybe these benefits are going to be compounded massively when we actually get into especially like really old growth forests. Yeah, I mean, that's a great point, Dan, because at the end of the session, we at the end of the forest bathing session, we hold like a Japanese tea ceremony. So, you know, it might be nettle tea or mm. bramble leaf tea, where all the participants who've just done what we call a tree laxation lying under mm-hmm. the tree canopy in a guided vis- visualization. We get to do some sort of feedback, but also talk about if people have enjoyed the experience, how they could continue their nature connection and You've got the nature pyramid. I'm not sure if you're, you've come across it, but no. at the bottom of the nature pyramid is exactly what you've just said, having plants in your house, in your home. Mm. If you live in an apartment, then perhaps you know, it would be nice to have plants in your home and certain plants apparently, I'm not a, an expert in that area, certain plants apparently have more health-giving benefits than others, for instance, mm. so that might be worth looking into for your listeners. But also, you know, if you've got an apartment, you might have a little balcony. So you could have flowers, herbs, whatever draws your attention and, you know, you love to do. And that's engendering that, you know, beginning of nurturing and looking after something and seeing it grow and seeing it flourish and seeing it develop. And then you sort of move up the nature pyramid where, you, you know, you might go for a walk in your local park or if you're in a city, just notice, I don't know, it could even be dandelions springing mm. up through the cracks. 
pavement. And that's not to denigrate dandelions either because if you actually stop and look at one, they're gorgeous. They're beautiful. Yeah, and the yellow is amazing, isn't it? Mm. Beautiful. And the leaves, they're all different types of leaves. Some of them have little like purple spots on them and they all come in all different shapes and sizes. Absolutely, but I think people kind of like think, oh, it's weed, let's it's forget a weed. about it. Yeah. And they're but delicious it's a beautiful too. beautiful plant. Mm. Yes. Make tea I out know. of them. Absolutely. So, yeah, I mean the recycling side of certain aspects of nature are, are incredible as well, aren't they? Yeah, absolutely. So as you say, you know, having plants in your house is a starting point. It's, it's lovely because that green, the green is relaxing. That the eye sees, you know, the most spectrum of greens as well. Hence, being in the forest is incredibly relaxing to the brain. But also, there's no straight lines. So when you're in a city, you've got straight lines and blocks and cubes, mm. and it's quite harsh to look at. So when the brain, or sorry, when the body's, when you're actually in a sort of more natural environment, you've got lots of patterns in nature, and you've got fractal patterns and you can look into the tree canopy and think, well, I look into it and I'm like, wow, if that's above me, what on earth is below me? You know, it's, mm. I feel like it's a mirror image below me, which leads on to an, a whole different subject, you know, it that's um, being called the wood, the wood wide web. I'm not sure mm. if you've come across the wood wide web. Yes. Mycelial connections and all that sort of stuff. Yes. You know, the underground network of microbes mm. connecting the root system of plants and trees. And, you know, the bacteria, the millions of species of bacteria and fungi, mm. you know, which are known as mycorrhizal fungi mm. that support the roots and this, then swap the nutrients such as carbons and sugars mm-hmm. to the other trees in the woodland and forest community and, you know, ward off disease. I kind of like, think of it like Indian beating drums, you know where there's there's a pest that's about to come into the forest and they send out they send out you know fighting sides to fight that but also you know during the the winter and the summer months where you've got deciduous versus evergreens they they're feeding each other um you know with carbons and sugars to make sure because you know those those trees that are deciduous can't photosynthesize in the colder months whereas in the warmer months the deciduous trees have plenty of leaves so they can support the evergreens. So you've got this wonderful symbiotic relationship between the fungi roots and the plants and trees. So, yeah, and, and again, lots of research has been done on that. I know we've looked into Dr. Suzanne Simard. She's a professor at the Department of Forest and Conservation Sciences and teaches at the University of British Columbia, and she's done a massive amount of research into mycorrhizal fungi and how trees talk to each other through this underground community. I kind of like that, particularly in the last year, where the way that trees are really supportive of each other, you know, they look after their own species first, <laughs> and then they look after the next species. So they're all making sure they're fighting off disease. They're, they're a real community spirit. You know, you've got that kind of as, as above, so below philosophy going on because some of these trees are absolutely massive with huge branch networks. And so they've got a huge underground system to support that as well. So I just, you know, I have a clear picture in my head as to what, what that's like. And I love that sort of community aspect that the forest conveys to you. You're not the first guest to allude to this Wood Wide Web Network. And I would have to tell the guests that now we're going to have to get someone on and speak about that because we're just teasing them at this point. Well, I think one of the well-known experts is, as I said, Dr. Suzanne Simard. She's at British Columbia University. Fantastic. I'm sure there's there's other people as well. I think Gary, who's co-founder director, Gary Evans of Forest Bathing Institute, I think he's been in touch with her, I'm sure. He's been in touch with lots of the leading lights, leading experts around the world as part of initiating and setting up the vision and mission for the Forest Bathing Institute. I bet you'd know hundreds of guests that we would just kill to have on this podcast. <laughs> I'll have to find out for you. <laughs> we we did an interview with BBC Earth, or Gary did the interview, it was a radio interview, and they had Gary and they had Dr. Ching Lee from Japan talking about, you know, forest medicine and Basically, how people can 
be mindful in nature and appreciate the nature around them, you know, giving examples of, of what that entails, including enjoying a really lovely herbal tea, or it could be a woodland tea, for instance, and noticing the taste, the smell, you know, the, any textures that might be in there, you know, just taking time to, to notice really and taking time out. Yeah, I mean, nettle tea is something that can be found in forests sometimes. Well, nettles that you can make nettle tea out of. And I mean, that's another example of something that someone would just say, well, that's a weed. And that, But then again, it's useful to humans and it's good for the ecology. And when you actually look up close at the leaves, they're, it's just like you have to respect this plant. It's beautiful and it's well, like it whacks a punch and you've got to respect it. It does. It does, doesn't it? Yes. <laughs> yeah, I can remember many years ago, digressing briefly, I, well, I was at home in Wales and something went past me in one of the lanes where I lived and basically blew me off my bike. It drove past so fast. Wow. And I ended up in a bed of nettles, which <laughs> oh, wasn't no. very nice. <laughs> Luckily, there was a dock leaf next to it because there's always dock leaves. Right. So I had yes. to treat treat myself with dock leaves because it was in the summer and I was in shorts. But very clever. Yes. Yeah. So yeah, I know exactly what you mean with nettles. But interestingly, last year I was out for a walk where I live, and there was a Spanish couple, and they were picking a load of nettles, and they were going to make nettle soup because it's very good for your immune system. So. There you go. I mean, again, it's all plant-based medicine, forest medicine. It's obviously knowing and being careful that you choose the right things, you know, to pick. I mean, when we do the forest bathing, we have a policy that we don't go in and we don't pick anything. <laughs> we know, we go in and we leave the forest intact as as we as we entered it, basically. But you know, on a on an individual level, I I pick bramble leaves most days and have bramble tea because it's very I love it it's very light but also it's incredibly healing for you you know so a lot to be said for benefiting from the nature that's around us I just feel lucky that I don't have to worry quite so much about the beasties that I might encounter when I'm out and about where I live you can start with having house plants as I said some are more beneficial than others so it'd be worth talking to somebody at your local garden centre or do some research first. If you go up Pyramid, it's a bit like Maslow's hierarchy. So as you go up, you then sort of going out for a walk every day, whether you live in a city or you live in a more rural environment, just take time to go out for a walk, enjoy the, the nature that is around you in your environment and Notice, you know, it could be the bird song, it could even be looking at clouds or dandelions or hedgerow. That's right. People's gardens as you walk past them, but just take time to be present and perhaps go and stand somewhere that, you know, draws your attention. So you're still or sit somewhere again, so you're still and just observe. It could be tuning into the bird song, it could be just noticing, you know, a tree or flower or plant that's in front of you. And then it's, you know, going for nature sessions. So going along woodland trails into the forest, spending ideally two to three hours every two weeks to keep it topped up. Mm. Research studies have shown that after about four weeks, it, it dwindles off in terms of your immune system. Mm. So, yes, yeah, so it's spending regular time committing to going and not committing sounds a bit harsh, actually, just going to have a really nice time in a woodland and go for a walk in the forest because it is a pleasurable experience. And I think if the earlier you can go, sometimes it's quieter. And then, you know, as you, as you get up to the top, it could be like camping for a couple of nights in a woodland nature reserve, whatever's around where you live, you know, just spending a couple of nights under the stars and and enjoying being in the natural environment because then you're inhaling and relaxing and you're being at one with nature for a longer duration. Mm. And it's fun. <laughs> That's yeah, really fun, isn't it? It's is fun. <laughs> when I was very lucky growing up, I, my grandparents had a beautiful woodland area behind them. So I spent my, aside from going to the beach all the time, I, um, 
I, I was lucky to go into wood, a beautiful woodland environment where in those days you did bluebell picking and primrose picking, which you don't do anymore. But it's very happy memories, you know, just spending hours and hours and hours walking through all these, you know, this huge woodland expanse. Mm. So, yeah, just spending time, just being aware of the different, of the benefits of it. I mean, just, you know, switching quickly to the, the research that we did with University of Derby in 2019, the benefits that was highlighted was the fact that people who've been suffering from stress and anxiety, which I think has been through the roof over the last year, probably for a lot of people, you know, indicated quite significantly that over 29% of people, you know, they reduced their rumination on problems. So their anxiety levels reduced and stress was reduced. And so, and, you know, so therefore depression, because you're, you're, you're out in a different environment, an environment that's way, way bigger than any of us, really. And you just switch off. And then, as I said earlier, you switch to that more recuperative aspect of the autonomic nervous system, the parasympathetic, which enables you to think things through more clearly. You know, if you're really stressed, I don't know about you, but if I'm really stressed, I can't think clearly. Yeah. I, I literally have to be on my own. I normally go outside. But when when I'm you know more relaxed, able to make much clearer decisions. So that was one of the really real highlights in terms of, you know, what the research indicated. I know another thing and a health benefit, the heart rate variability improved and therefore, you know, it increases as the body switches to the parasympathetic nervous system. And, you know, anybody who's an athlete or training or into their fitness will know, you know, how beneficial that is. It's an indicator of, you know, good cardiovascular health. Compassion for others and compassion for self was increased through spending time forest bathing. Mm. And some of the key benefits that your listeners, you know, could try for themselves, you know, from a forest bathing science perspective, um, smelling the moss, the lichens, mm. the leaf litter. Mm. If you have any running water near you, then listening to the sound of running water is incredibly beneficial. Sitting by a tree and inhaling it, as we've touched on because of you know, you've got the fight and sides, but you've got that wonderful presence of the tree next to you, you know, incredibly supportive and the strength of that tree. And the sharing circle, we do a sharing circle, which is based on sort of Indian shamanic principle where people hand a talking stick round. They don't have to talk. So after every few sessions, you might have done two or three exercises, sensory based exercises, and then do a sharing circle and see what people felt, thought, what popped up for them. It's confidential. You don't mm. have to say anything if you don't want to. Mm. It's entirely up to the individual. But again, it rated incredibly highly on the research that we did. And, you know, I know that having talked to Gary and some of the other guides, there have been some real aha moments for individuals who've had stressful things going on in their lives. And I mean, it can be quite emotional when you do these sessions and, you know, something might just pop up for some unknown reason because it's a release because you're mm. in an environment that's supportive, that's non-judging. You know, you you spend time kind of not alone in the group, but we encourage people to sort of be in their own space. And it's it's kind of a release environment too. So, so. So the sharing circle, as I said, ranks very highly on, on the index with the research that we did. And just generally, tree relaxation <laughs> next to that tree where you hug it. You know, hugging mm. the tree is actually lovely. The energy is amazing. And just sitting there, reading, dozing, switching off, noticing what's around. You know, it's just taking time out, isn't it? Totally. I don't know about you, but... I've got some friends who are probably sitting and thinking, yeah, but how do you forest bathe? You've just been talking about walking around, listening to things, smelling things. What we're talking about here is every time you make the intention to go into the forest and forest bathe, you're having a unique sensory experience. Would that be right? Absolutely, yes. Each and every time is completely and utterly different because nature is different moment to moment really when in the yeah. uk it is yeah. <laughs> so yeah. and you know you have changing seasons 
So, yes. Yeah, so, so your question is around how do they forest bathe? Yeah, like I, I can imagine someone saying, like, <laughs> how do you forest bathe? All you've been talking about is smelling the mosses, you know, listening to the birds, but how do I forest bathe? <laughs> That's it. <laughs> That's how you do it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so let, let's walk. Let's literally walk us through it. So I arrive in, let's, I'll just picture myself at Newlands Corner, which is near Guildford in Surrey. It's a semi-ancient woodland. It's one of the top three U woodlands in the UK as well. And we're very lucky that Surrey is the most wooded county in England. So mm. that's also a benefit. So I enter it. I, you know, if I'm on my own, I just walk through. I just look around me. I, I love the bird song. So I will always tune into bird song. I notice that the greens, there's a lot of different colored greens at the moment because we're still in spring season. And the, the greens, even in when it's, you know, shady and you've got sun shooting through from above, it's amazing how light the greens look. So I walk through and I'll be noticing the light and shade at play, how that impacts on the, the different colors. And it's very much a green canopy. Then there's all of the different greens. I'm like, wow, that looks so light. And then you've got you know, a moss can stand out and be incredibly green and vibrant. And I don't like consciously do this. I'm just walking more slowly, just looking at what's around me. And then, you know, as I walk further in into the forest, there's certain areas which are a little bit clearer and there's beautiful silver birch. And at the moment, when you've got a beautiful blue sky and you look at the top of the tree canopy on a silver birch, You've got like an orangey color on the leaves and against the blue sky, you can think, wow, the colors are amazing. If you choose to, you can think, I wonder what it might be like to flow the way that tree is flowing. What might it like to be that tree and sort of choose a tree that you're drawn to and stand there and, mm. and just imagine what's it like bending and flowing or if it's a birch or a one of the other silver, you know, types of trees. If it's an oak, an oak might not bend very much. That's what's sort of going through my head. Oak trees are obviously much more solid, but the top of the tree canopy might move a bit more. Whereas other trees kind of move a lot more in their, in their, you know, their trunk. So yeah, it's noticing things like that as well. It's a kind of play that is good for your soul, good for your psychology, and good for your body. Absolutely, yes, yes. I mean, I um, I just think you you can just get carried away with it if you allow yourself to, mm. and it's about feeling unconscious about it. I mean, there's, mm. there's hardly anybody there anyway, so just be yourself and just think, wow, this is amazing. And I, you know, I'm quite visual, so I I love the colours, and it's like a beautiful photograph or painting that I can see. The other week when I was leading a session, it was quite windy. And I was actually in this particular part with all the silver birch. We had an amazing spring day, beautiful blue skies. And it was very quiet, hardly anybody there, which is lovely. But it was, it was a, there was quite a light breeze. And it was like a little orchestra. I could kind of see the trees moving and swaying together. And for me, it sounded like an orchestra being conducted. It, it was just wonderful the way they all moved in harmony together and supporting each other. But just the flow, it was kind of like this flow, being in the flow, really. And if that helps, there's some suggestions. <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually noticing like I'm feeling better just listening to you talk about it, like I, just visualizing the, the birches swaying and all the different sort of images that you've been saying. Like I actually feel more relaxed. So even imagining it can help. So imagine what being out there in the real thing can do. Well, that's true. And, uh, you know, you probably know they've done, you know, they've done research or scientists, universities have done research showing when people sit and look at a forest scene or nature scene that, you know, resonates with them, they immediately feel more relaxed. Mm. So there's a lot to be said for, you know, your comment just then. And for instance, I was running a session on um, last weekend and we had some rain. So I, I called it the Dingley Dell. There's a little Dingley Dell area. <laughs> <laughs> I 
where you kind of dip down into the forest, you kind of feel like you're within it. And a few weeks ago, we'd seen two deer, which was magical because they're very shiny, don't see them very much. But on this occasion, it started raining and I just thought, let's just use the rain for a mindfulness exercise because Mm. it stopped going out into it, people getting soaked because we were quite well covered by the tree canopy. So, you know, it was, what does the rain feel like on your face? Mm. What does it sound like coming through the forest canopy? And just notice any smells that, that you might, you know, that might appear as a result of the rain. But it was very much based on sensory in terms of the sense that appealed to those individuals, mainly uh, listening, exercise and sound because it was quite a hard shower. But everybody loved it because Mm. nobody'd really spent time enjoying being in the rain. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. Usually people think of rain as something to avoid. It may not have even occurred to them that just like a little child, you could actually go out into the rain and still have a good time. Yeah, I mean, you think of children like running through rain puddles, jumping in puddles. Mm. That's the sort of spirit that we're trying to rekindle, isn't it? That's kind of been forgotten by many of us. You know, I've suffered from it in the past as well, but there's still that element of wanting to just jump in and enjoy it. but also. And, you know, actually appreciating the rain. We need rain. It's a life force. Yeah. But also being part of experiencing it within a lovely forest environment. As I say, it's my special environment. I've coined Mm. it the Dingley Dell because it feels magical in there and it's Mm. tucked away and don't think many people know about it. And, it, you know, you could imagine all sorts of things. It was great for the imagination and it was wonderful to actually enjoy those 10 minutes or so just listening to the rain, feeling it coming through. Some people chose to be more exposed to it so they could feel it on their face. And it was a different type of experience altogether instead of running away from it thinking, (laughs) oh, my God, I don't want to get soaked. (laughs) Yeah. So you get like a shift change in your thinking in terms of, oh, actually, this is just great. And the smell is amazing, but listening to it is also wonderful. Yeah. It's funny, being a gardener is kind of like that. You know, you have some gardeners who just love everything to be hedged into neat straight lines. You know, they put chemical fertilizer on everything and, you know, chemical pesticides and stuff. And that's what they think is a beautiful garden. But I've noticed a lot of gardeners who do it for a long time start to actually appreciate just the chilled out, nice lawn with a bunch of weeds in it, you know, and maybe just like a couple of bushes that (laughs) aren't hedged into neat little squares, just a natural shape. Because I think yeah, that that's exactly, where yeah. nature's at its most beautiful. Yeah, those sort of country cottage, um, more free-flowing gardens, they're very appealing, I think, mm. you know, where you don't quite know what's going to be tucked around the corner. And it's, I think, oh, under what's around here, this is beautiful. And I didn't expect that. And it's hidden away by some other plant or flower that's growing there rather than, as you say, it's all so neat and precise yeah. and geometric. And there might be dandelions in the lawn. Yes, dandelions and daisies. <laughs> Daisy chains. Yeah, I like <laughs> lazy summer days. So, Philippa, I always like to ask our guests one final question. It's very open-ended and it doesn't have to be on topic. Is there anything else that you'd like the listeners to know about? Well, I've given some top tips about how to be mindful in nature. Hmm. Just as an update, I suppose, in terms of where the Forest Bathing Institute is in this present moment, you know, in May. So we are having meetings with some government departments to talk about extending green social prescribing, you know, because that's quite a hot topic in the UK. But also we have 11 British universities have expressed an interest in conducting further scientific studies. There's a whole range of studies that are being planned. We're looking at funding at the moment, basically, hence Mm. talking to government, because to do the studies is expensive. But that would probably be quite a key thing. I think we've got some international universities who've expressed an interest as well. So our goal is, you know, to continue to do the science because that's what we need to present to you know, the health departments and other departments to get 
green social prescribing higher on the agenda. Uh, in mm-hmm. fact, the talk I'm going to later is about that. It's a rural talk on social prescribing. So, so that's quite key. And as an institute, we are now training, I think, over 70 guides at the moment, forest bathing guides. We wow. work with all the major landowners across the United Kingdom. We've got plans to do like accredited forest trails. We would like to be able to have in place the same as they have in South Korea and Japan, particularly, where your local GP might refer you to forest bathing, perhaps for high blood pressure, etc., whatever your you know ailment is, so that you can try some forest medicine, some forest bathing, and there'll be an on-site team that would do the different health metrics, you know, blood pressure and blood test, etc., before you go into the particular designated forest for your particular condition. Wow. And then and then measure how you feel afterwards. And it might be a program that six to eight weeks or something. Mm. But that's what they do in South Korea and that's what they do in Japan. And that's our goal for the United Kingdom as well. Very cool. Yes. Very exciting. To be able to help people to heal themselves, basically. Do you take funding from like ordinary people such as our listeners? or I think the funding we've had previously has been grant funding from bodies. I <laughs> say so bodies. Mm. <laughs> you know, it could be <laughs> could be university bodies, you know, department bodies, yeah. a local yep. county council. And you know, it, it's it's hard to get the funding, but um, yeah, that's what we're working on at the moment. Hence the talks at a government level to see if mm. there can be an allocation of funding for us to do more research. We've, as I say, we've got eleven universities saying we want we want to do this. We want to look into X, Y, Z type of scientific research so that it can then be used, you know, for green social prescribing measures, basically. A preventative healthcare, that's what we're looking at, like they do in Japan and, and other countries. And as I say, it's mental health, anxiety, stress, sorts of physiological disorders too. Because forest bathing can help you sleep better. It helps you, you know, reduces, you know, it's lower blood sugar levels. I've talked about the anti-cancer protein production. Can help you to lose weight, you know, with increased metabolic rate, improves your energy, your concentration. There's there's a huge raft of benefits, but we need to make sure we've evidenced them in the UK as well, so that it 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 fits the UK physiological makeup in terms of ecobiodiversity of our environment, but also our diet and us as as a you know a nation really in terms of um, our makeup. Oh, I can. Just imagine being a child at primary school and forest bathing being a part of the curriculum. You know, imagine getting children before that 11-year-old age, just taking them out into the forest and helping them form a connection with nature. It'd be lovely. It'd be amazing. I know we have forest schools here, but interestingly, one of my participants a few weeks ago, she's a nutritionist and she's got a little boy of three. And she asked me on the session, do you run this for young children? And we, we are setting up a program yeah, for young, right. well, for children, basically. And so I'm, you know, looking at maybe she's, we might do it as a school trip for mm. the nursery school that her son goes to, because obviously it's slightly different for younger children. You know, it, yeah. it's, it's tailored differently. It might be shorter than three hours, for instance, because of right. time, you know, attention spans. But yeah, yep. absolutely. It's, yes, yeah, as, as you say, it's getting that connection at a young age and, it's about thinking differently. Plus, people might, you know, children might think about jobs in a more rural environment, for instance. Mm. There's loads and loads of different types of professions, careers mm. that they could go into as well. Yeah, not to mention ecology and environmentalism. Absolutely. Yes, absolutely. I agree. Mm. Yeah. So mm. we're working on that and working on it basically from sort of three up to 18. <laughs> you know, there's no yeah. age limit on this. You're quite right. Because, you know, we've got a big obesity problem, which is surprising, especially, you know, in Surrey, I've been part of talks on that with the figures. And as I said to you earlier, one of the research metrics from Japan indicates weight loss due to higher metabolic activity, plus a host of, you know, other benefits. Mm -hmm. So that rekindling that nature connection, as you suggest, you know, on the school curriculum would be amazing. Uh, Might be a step change for some children who are struggling with 
with other disorders and conditions too. Absolutely. Thank you so much for coming on the show, Philippa. I hope that our listeners have become inspired to visit the forest more regularly. I know that I certainly have. I mean, I'm definitely overdue. It's about time I headed out to the Grampians <laughs> or something and, yeah, maybe a camping trip or something with my wife would be nice um, sometimes. Lovely. Soon. Where might she go? Yeah, Grampians. We haven't been out to the Grampians yet, okay. so that's been on our list for a while. Yeah, my wife and I are from Queensland, so we've just moved to Victoria five okay. years ago. So, yeah, it's yeah. about time we visited the Grampians. Sounds like a good plan to me. Did you ever go to the Grampians? I did, and, and I went to that area where there's all those tall trees. Really, what's yeah. that called? I don't know, but that's on my Amazingly list too. Amazingly tall trees. Beautiful, <laughs> yeah. stunning. Yeah. Well, I'm a tree guy, so. <laughs> <laughs> Love a Tasmania big tree. Tasmania is amazing. <laughs> yeah, Tasmania that's on the list as well. <laughs> Love Tasmania. Gorgeous. Yeah. <laughs> mm. But, yeah, so thank you very much for having me on your show today. It's been wonderful to be in touch the last few months and mm. to notice what <laughs> you're doing. So, um, yeah, I hope. Some little tidbits for your listeners, at least. When was the last time that you went forest bathing? It might be time for you to start making plans to get back out there into the forest and take some time for yourself. As usual, you can check the show notes for relevant links, such as the Forest Bathing Institute's website and social media handles. If you really enjoyed this episode and think that somebody you know might also like it, why not share it with them? You can also go through our back catalogue to keep this party going. Try episode 45, Trees and Mythology. Episode 37, Identifying Plant Families with Flowers. Or episode 26, Yoruba First Nations Plant Wisdom. <laughs>